So uh, we're thinking about church values, and tonight we're thinking about the value of being a relational church. Now the thing is, we need to be aware that we come with a church anti-value. We have an anti-value, a world value that is actually poison if it gets unleashed into the church. Every single one of us in this room is hardwired to jeopardise the church. And this value in particular of being relational, because we have spent our lives being trained with this anti-value that could destroy the church. Do you want to know what it is? It's this. I'm going to call it meism. Meism. That is the anti-church value that we have in us. Meism is as old as the world, and it's live and kicking today. I've made that word up, obviously. But it's about me. And Paul's vision of the church that we're going to see in Colossians, and this idea of being relational, is completely at odds with meism. So where does meism come from? Well, like I said, it's as old as the world. In the Garden of Eden, back in Genesis, the snake convinced Adam and Eve of meism. Firstly, he convinced them that they didn't need God. They only needed me themselves. If you eat this fruit, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You won't need God anymore. Meism was born sin. They saw the fruit, they wanted the wisdom, they took it for themselves. That's what it says. So me is what matters. I don't need God. I define reality. I don't need God, I just need me. That's what happened. And I guess a lot of us would probably know and be able to articulate pretty well that the Christian message is that because of meism, because of sin, we're cut off from a relationship being relational with God. We were made to be relational with him. We've lost that because of meism. I can do it without God. And the work of Christ fixes that relationship with God. We admit that we do need him and we leave our meism behind. A lot of us would would know that. But what we might not be so clear on is that meism not only serves our relationship with God, but it causes havoc in our relationships with each other too. Adam and Eve were made to have our first church value. They were made to be relational. Adam and Eve, what are you about? Well, we're relational, right? They were family. They were one flesh in this perfect, loving relationship. And so the meism that entered in in the garden didn't just say, I don't need God. It also said, I don't need you. It broke down their relationship. And you see it, it, the breakdown in their horizontal relationships is instant. What do they do straight away? First thing, they realise they're naked and they cover themselves because they felt shame. There's a, a physical barrier that they have to set up between each other. Do you see? It's so vivid. Then their family, their relational little unit falls apart. Cain and Abel, Cain murders Abel, jealousy. I want what you've got, meism leads to murder. That's the first family. But you know what I think is strange is that in today's society, meism is a virtue. So it's a real value. It's not an anti-value. It's a value of our world, meism. I went to visit a local nursery uh, for my daughter to go to, and I went on this little open day, and I was the only person on the open day. It was slightly intense, being shown around by these two teachers. Um, anyway, and they, the, the thing that they kept talking about was that they would teach Rosie to be dependent, independent, teach her to be independent. Now, I think that education should teach her to be independent. I think that's a good thing. I want her to be able to do her own maths and read her own books. And I, don't have, I don't want to read Peter Rabbit again. So it's good for her to be able to do that by herself. But they went on about it so much, and the way they talked about it was so highly prized. It was a, 
we want to teach her to not need anybody in such a highly prized way that it sounded a lot like this me as a the most important thing for your daughter is to not need anyone which is how it came across to be totally independent and so do you see how we've actually as we've probably been brought up with that kind of thing spent our lives being trained with this church anti-value I don't need anybody and we're like yeah you go you independent person you don't need nobody but meism, which we carry in us, is the kiss of death for church life. So if we don't seek God's help and the truth, the chances are we're going to bring, smuggle meism into church life, every single one of us. So we need this. We need to see this tonight. The gospel, the good news, is all about restoring our relationship with God and restoring our relationship with each other. The gospel is about restoring our relationship with God and with each other. We saw last week that the gospel connects us to Christ. He's the head, we're the body. And this week we need to see that Christ also connects us to each other. Christ connects us to each other. So tonight we're going to enter a fight with meism using the truth of Colossians and seeing that Christ connects us to each other. So, and we're going to start by doing that with just the first two verses of Colossians. How exciting. Just two verses. Crazy. All right. But he, Paul packs into the first two verses of Colossians two amazing images um, for what it means to be a relational church. Thanks by Christ. So turn to Colossians on page 1182. We're going to read the first two verses, and then in your study, you're going to carry on and do verses three to eight. So it's going to follow you nicely. But we're just going to look at the first two verses now. Colossians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you, from God our Father. So we're going to build an entire doctrine of the church from two verses. Happy days. Right, here we go. The first image we get is that the church in Colossae, and our church, the Globe Church, is God's family. It's God's family. And when you look at those verses, family language is just everywhere. It's all over these verses. First up, in verse 1, you get uh, Paul, Apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Family language. And if you read other letters from Paul, he introduces people with all sorts of other things. So he could have said, uh, Timothy, our fellow worker. You know, you get stuff like that. You know, he's like a fellow labourer in the gospel. Paul says stuff. But here he says, our brother. And he doesn't just say, my brother. Remember, Paul's never met the Colossian church, by the way. So he's talking about them in this family language. He's never met them. But he says, Timothy's our brother. He's your brother. He's my brother. We're family. So do you see that in the first line, this meism is being fought? It's not just about you. We're not all little individuals. Timothy, our brother, his family. And then we get, uh, in verse 2, the, the church in Colossae, Colossae referred to as the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Family language again. And this adds some flesh to the bones of what it means to be family how is church family different to blood family, our, our family units that we're part of? Well, this is family in Christ. Do you see that? Brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Christ is the bond. Christ is the one that connects us to each other, makes us family. It's by our connection to Christ, the head, that you you and I are family. You know the saying that um, kind of any friend of yours is a friend of mine. Our mutual friend makes us friends. Well, we go well. Our mutual saviour, our mutual head, makes us more than friends. He makes us family. It's kind of like, oh, do you know Christ? Oh, me too. We're, we're family. Oh, do you know Christ? Oh, me too. We're family. We're not just buddies. We're, we're family. You know Christ? You're connected to Christ? Me too. We're family. That's the logic of this. If you're connected to Christ, you're connected to other Christians as family. So why does Paul, though, use family language? And he always uses family language. Why? It could have been Timothy, our buddy. Hey, Colossians, my guys, I love you. Whatever. Friends, acquaintances. I mean, like I said, he's never met them. But he uses family language. Well, family is different (coughs) to friends. Family is a very different idea to friends. For one thing, you choose your friends and you don't choose your family. And you definitely don't choose your church family. You didn't pick who would be in the Globe Church, did you? So it's not just about finding people you like. It's about finding your family in church. You don't choose who God saves. Which means you don't choose who you connect to in church. I think this could be a big challenge to us. Are we in danger of treating church more like a friendship group that we choose rather than a warts and all family that we've been born into. Because that's what it is. It's easy, basically, to find people in church who you like, who you'd naturally be friends with, get to know them and think, hey, yeah, I'm being relational because I've got people I get on really well with at church. It's like, well, no, what you've done is found some friends who happen to be Christians. And that's great, and you will find people in church who you just naturally get on with. But that's not the limits of what it means to be relational. If you stop with people you just naturally get on with, Actually, you're still living by the kind of meism because it just, it's just easy for you. That's friends, not family. It's not the same. You can be friends with your family. Okay. So this image is saying, no, anyone, anyone, even if you in a million years wouldn't imagine being, like, picking them out as a friend, they're family. If they're connected to Christ. You've got a mutual connection. Christ. You don't choose church family like you choose friends. So that's the first reason why I think he uses family language. Second, though, family is a closer bond than friends. Family is a closer bond than friendship. Now, I'm very aware that you and I will have all sorts of different experiences of family. Um, some, will, some of us will have very good experiences of our immediate family, some very bad and very painful experiences of family. But even if our experience of family has been tough, there is still something about a bloodline connection that is like nothing else in the world. You may not feel experientially very close to your family for all sorts of reasons, but there is a, there's a bond because you're family. And you can opt out of friendship. You know, we unfriend people on Facebook. I unfriend you guys all the time. I don't. But you can't, un- <laughs> you can't unfamily someone. You can, un- you can exit a friendship. You can't exit a family. You can't unsister yourself from... <laughs> your sibling, or unbrother yourself as much as you might want to. So by saying church is family, Paul's saying, no, it's, it's not something you kind of can opt out of. It's as tight as humanly possible. And if we're people maybe who have had bad experience of family and we struggle to feel that connection with our blood family on earth, do you see why the church is such an amazing gift of God? 
Because this family that God's given you is radically different to that family that might be very painful for you. What's the bond in our family? What is it? Brothers and sisters, in Christ. Christ, our perfect loving saviour who died for us, he's the one who binds us together as family. Isn't that amazing? And who's the daddy? Verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Family language again. God's our Father. Some families can be ruined by their father. We've got the best father imaginable. He is our father. Do you see that again? Not just my father, he's ours. And what does this father bring home to the family? Grace and peace to you from God our Father. He doesn't come with anger. He doesn't fly off the handle. He's not absent at work. He brings grace and peace to his family. What a father. So my question is, is family how you see each other? When we begin to see each other as family, we begin to value every single person in this church. I want you to imagine church as a massive big dinner table. Okay, so instead of our little groups, we've got one big dining table and we all come down for dinner because we're family and that's what families do. But each of us will come to that table with different attitudes, that family table. Some of you come in and you look around to see if there's another little table in the corner for you because you don't feel like you belong in this family. Well, I've got one question for you. Are you connected to Christ? Yes? Well, then you're part of this family, so come sit at the table. Because Christ is the one that connects us. Whether you feel like you belong or not, that's not the issue. Do you trust in Jesus? Yeah? You're here. You're in our family. Join the table. Some of you come to the family dinner table, but you always sit next to your favourite sibling. Do you think your other siblings might start to notice that you're not interested in them? Now, it's not, um, it's not that I'm saying that we have to know everyone in the church the same amount and invest in the same kind of way. We're a growing church. That's impossible. That's why we have things like focus groups, not just friendship groups. So you can actually devote yourselves to a little group of people who aren't just people you would naturally choose, but are family. All sorts of people would be in your focus group. So do you need to check who you're devoting your attention to at church? Is it just your favourite siblings, your buddies? And Christ connects you to all who are connected to him. Some of us, though, rarely turn up at the dinner table. Because meism can lead to a kind of consumerism. I come to church to consume. I come on a Sunday, I get my spiritual fill, and then I go. And you know what? If I don't feel like I kind of need that spiritual fill this week, or there's something better on, or more important, maybe even work or something, um, then, then I'm not, I'm not going to turn up. But that's not how family works. We're all part of the family. We're brothers and sisters. It's, it's about love. It's about serving no matter what. So church being family shapes our commitment to coming and devoting ourselves to each other. So we see the Colossian church, the globe church, is relational. Christ connects us to each other. First image as God's family. Second image is this. We're God's people. God's holy people. You'll notice uh, if you're here on Sundays, we're going through 1 Corinthians where we get another image. We're a body. So it's all coming together. There's lots of images. But this is God's holy people. So slotted amongst all this family language is God's people language. Have a look at verse 2 again. To God's holy people in Colossae. What does that phrase, God's people, make you think of? 
first thing you think of when you think of God's people? Anybody? Israel. Israel. Yeah? Throughout the Old Testament, Israel are constantly referred to as God's people. In fact, God's holy people. Paul's talking about the church. Do you remember, um, in fact, let's go to it, because we love Exodus, don't we? Exodus 19, let's go back. Second book of the Bible. Exodus 19, page 76. We studied Exodus last term, uh, no, two terms ago, for those of you who weren't here. And Exodus 19 is a um, key point in the, in, um, in the book of Exodus, where God speaks again. I'm glad you remember. And um, he saved his people, rescued them out of Egypt, and he gathers them all together. And listen to how he speaks to his people gathered before him. Um, Exodus 19, verse 3. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to say to the, the people of Israel. There they are, God's people. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you speak to the Israelites. Back to Colossians. So in Colossians, Paul is saying that the church then, by calling us God's holy people... The church is the ultimate fulfilment of that, of the Old Testament people of God. We are the new Israel. Let's take this step by step, this phrase, God's holy people. (laughs) First of all, that first word, God's. We're God's. We're his possession, like we just saw in Exodus. Out of all of the world, you'll be my treasured possession. That's what God says to Israel. And here we are called God's people. His possession. It's not just I'm special because God has loved me. It's we're special. We're his. It's not just that God's interested in you. He's interested in us. (coughs) So if we mistreat other Christians, if we wish they weren't in our church, we're mistreating the people who God passionately says they're my treasure possession. See, it changes how you view each other. We're God's. Imagine this. Imagine um, I come to one of our church staff meetings and I've got a new phone. I'm really chuffed about my phone and uh, let's pick a random staff member. Jonty goes, yeah, but it's not, it's not very good, is it? I'm like, yeah, but it's my new phone. I'm really excited. Look at all the things it does. It's not as good as mine. I'd be really hurt because this is my favourite toy. Okay? <laughs> How much more, God, if we go up to his people who he saved and say, she's a bit rubbish, isn't she? He's a bit... Math, you want, he's, he's yours? And God says, they're mine. My son paid for them. Every one of us belong to God. Changes how we view each other. God's holy, holy people. We are like Israel to be a, did you hear it in Exodus? A holy nation. That means we're, we're kind of called out of the world, out of this life of meism and self-centeredness, to a life where we're connected to God and connected to each other. A life of purity where we're now together trying to live a holy life empowered by God's grace. So the church is supposed to be different. But also seeing each other as holy changes the way we view each other again. If we look around the church, have a look around at your church, 
happy days, you probably have mixed feelings about each other. Some people we really love, some people we really get on with, some people we don't necessarily care very much about, some people we really struggle to get on with. Imagine Jesus walks in the room and he looks around. How does he feel about everyone in the room? Delighted. No, no ranking, no awkward people. Why? Because through his blood he's made every single person holy, totally perfect. Jesus looks at every single one of us and goes, if you're trusting me, you're connected to me, you're holy. And that's how we should look at each other too. This person who I struggle with, who maybe has wronged me, they're forgiven by Jesus. So I should forgive them too. Do you see? Final. God's holy people. Once again, you can't be a Christian by yourself. You can't be a Christian by yourself. In Exodus, didn't God didn't save himself a person. He didn't just have Moses. He called Moses at the mountain, but all the people were at the bottom. And that's what God cared about. And Christ didn't save for himself a person. You know when Jesus was dying on the cross? It wasn't like, I'm going to save Phil. Yeah, great. And now Phil's saved. Job done. It doesn't stop with me. It doesn't stop with you. God's heart is big. His arms are wide. He wants all of us. We're, we're his people. So let me sum this all up. Christ has saved us from meism. He's connected us to himself, the head, and he's connected us to each other. So here are some questions to think about, uh, which will come up in your study, and I really want to encourage you to go away from today asking these questions. How can you play your part in the Globe Church being relational, living out this family life? How can you play your part? How are you investing in relationships with all different kinds of people? Think about meal times. Think about services, who you sit with. Think about things like 121, focus. You, you'll, you'll have time to think about that in your groups. We're God's family. We're God's people. We're to be relational. And that was just two verses. So let me pray. And you can get in the, the next few verses that Paul writes. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much that you didn't save us to be on our own we would struggle to get through this life by ourselves. You've given us a family. Lord, so many relationships in our lives fail us. Even our families fail us. But we praise you for this gift of a whole group of people who you love and who are trying to love each other. Lord, we don't do that perfectly. We want to confess the ways in which we fail to be relational. We, um, we actually hurt each other. Thank you that you forgive us and you want to change us. So we pray that you would help us by your spirit to truly love each other, to be family, to be a holy people. So help us now as we keep going into your word, Lord, some deep um, verses. We need your help to understand. We need your spirit to open our eyes. So we pray for that spiritual power now to see what it means to live out this vision that you've given us to be the church. In Jesus' name, amen.